Let's see what the stew has in store for us today. Welcome to the Gnomecast, Gnome Stew's tabletop gaming advice podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew. So I guess we'd better be good. This episode is brought to you by our awesome Patreon backers like the crucial Carla Everson, the chivalrous Chuck, and the genuine Greg Gordon. Today we have myself, Ange, along with JT and Senda, and we're going to revisit talking about Session Zero. We covered this topic way back in 2018, but we brush up against it every so often, so we thought it would be worth doing again. Before we dive into that main topic, though, we're going to ask our Get to Know a Gnome question. Since we're talking about starting campaigns, tell us about a campaign that went completely sideways and off the rails with or without a Session Zero. Senda, I'm going to start with you. Ah, this is a story I think I've told before, but I delight in telling it, even though this killed the game. Uh, <laughs> so I was playing a game um, with a gentleman that was, I think, still think is probably a very good GM. Haven't played with him in years. The first GM I ever played with. Um, it was one of the first campaigns that we played that was not like our first campaign anymore in college that went on for two years. And he had written it from scratch. It wasn't our first campaign was Return to Temple of Elemental Evil, right? So we were like all made new characters. He'd written his own adventure because he was really good at that stuff. So there was a dungeon that had a bunch, it, there was a real magical crown artifact in the dungeon and there were a bunch of fake magical artifact crowns in the dungeon. And the whole puzzle of the dungeon was that if we left the dungeon with the wrong crown, it would have a nuclear explosion style effect. Oh no. Right, so you can't bring the wrong crown out of the dungeon. Awesome. We figured out the right crown and we're on our way out of the dungeon and big bad Lich King shows up and says, give me the crown right now or you're dead. And we said, could you give us a second? And we went back in and we got one of the fake crowns. And from the entrance to the dungeon, the like level one seven-year-old mage girl, she not seven in real life, the character was like a child mage, right? She casts Mage Hand to toss the fake crown at the lich. Fair. And everything explodes. And the GM says, okay, well, that was my campaign. Oh no. Because <laughs> that was like the like level 30 big bad end bad guy. And we just we killed it i'm still very proud of it but also very disappointed because it means we didn't get to play that game anymore we got to play like one maybe two sessions of that game before we murdered it so completely off the rails <laughs> jt what about you similar kind of uh so this was high school uh for me at least and this so all right High school for me was saturday mornings this tabletop strategy game like your battle tech your armor 40k things like that Saturday afternoon at the game store, Sam's second edition AD&D campaign. And then the store closed as they do. So we migrated to Byron's house to play a different campaign. And Sam's campaign was very well structured, very well organized, played very smoothly, despite having like a dozen players and 18 characters. We had a sub GM to help. And teenagers. And teenagers. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Pretty much all of us were in high school or like maybe early college. Anyway, off to Byron's house where it's a mix of new adults, which, you know, your your early 20s and your young adults, but, you know, your high school age. Anyway, Byron is like, hey, I'm starting up a first edition AD&D campaign. All the first edition books are allowed. Everything's allowed out of all the first edition books. Oh, dear. Which, of course, there's not that many compared to like today's. <laughs> okay, right. 
because there's no third party material. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, you, the, the, the listeners can't see the video, but this orange pile right here is <laughs> all of the first edition books that you see over my shoulder. As, so it's not that many books. As someone who started playing with the advent of third edition, oh, when you said all you the books, yeah. like my heart sank and I was yeah. like, oh, God. I saw that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it was not as bad as, as, as modern times as far as uh, number of resources. Third edition just ran away with it. Oh, yeah. They dumped like five or six books a year something like that for several yeah. years yeah and that's not counting the third edition yeah. or third party yeah uh materials right uh but anyway that meant that you could play a paladin or a cavalier or an assassin or maybe some of the other classes but we didn't session zero because that wasn't a thing back then yeah yeah um you know it's just session session what? what what do you mean zero no you start counting at one what do you um, mean you came <laughs> to the game without a character ready <laughs> right right uh so we show up byron's Fires off his, camp, his game and he goes around the, the, the living room where we're sitting and he's like, okay, what are you guys playing? Because we showed up with characters already made, mm -hmm. ready to go. Mm -hmm. uh, person number one says Paladin. Person number two says Cavalier. And I'm like, all right, cool. We got a little gel going here. All right. Third person says Paladin. Cool. The other four people around the room said Assassin, 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 <laughs> Assassin. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> as soon as the last person said Assassin, the cap player playing the Cavalier said, I roll for initiative. Wow, we, we didn't even have, we weren't even like in the tavern or whatever setup, right? It's just that Byron said you're all together. What are you? And yeah, it, it was a throwdown right away. That campaign lasted one combat without any NPCs. Wow, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, wow. Nobody coordinated anything. It was horrible. Well, actually, it wasn't horrible. It was horrible for Byron because he put a lot of effort into creating campaign. It was a blast for us as a players getting to just <laughs> just slaughter like, each right, other. <laughs> right? It's on. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. So <laughs> last man standing was, I think, one of the assassins. And Byron pointed at the last man standing and said, okay, now you're second level. Uh, retire that character. We're going to make new characters right here, right now. And I want you to talk about. So it was kind of a session zero kind of thing going <laughs> on there, right? I want you to coordinate what you're playing. Like, if there's a paladin, there's no evil. Mm -hmm. If there's evil, there's no paladin. Like, you, you guys figure it out. And and we ended up playing the campaign anyway. Um, and we had good fun with it. But yeah, that was the 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 disaster of no session zero with two paladins, a cavalier, and four assassins facing off against each other. <laughs> it's the lessons of why you do why a session zero. Is. <laughs> yes, yes. How about you, Ange? What, what, what's gone well or sideways for you because of session zero? My very first time I ever tried to do a session zero was for a Serenity campaign, basically Firefly. And this was with a group of people that I knew but hadn't regularly gamed with we like met at local cons and stuff and get in gamed and decided that we wanted to play something regular so i offered to run and i set up the parameters of you guys you know you have your own ship it's essentially you know the you know the crew of serenity it, it's the the concept of firefly with the serial numbers rubbed off it's that world just you are different characters and I thought I was being really smart by being like, okay, you have to connect your character to two other players. So why are you all together? And like, they did it. The teeny bopper mechanic was related to the grizzled mercenary who was running the ship. The sexy spy had watched the, the, the grizzled vet, uh, you know, war veteran in a boxing match. And just like, they had all these very superficial 
connections that they all completely ignored once we were playing. Mm. Like it, none of it mattered to any of them. The 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 spy sexy character, she kept going off by herself, do her own thing. Um, the teeny bopper uh, ended up deciding she didn't like the 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 vet uh, and locked her in her bunk at uh, one point. Uh, oh no. It was just what it was chaos. I tried running this for like two or three sessions and was like, I'm like, you know, I'm a relatively new GM. So I'm like, well, I'm trying to roll with the punches here. And these are the characters they made. And oh, my God, did I hate that teeny bopper character? I learned that (laughs) that was a player that needs to be given very clear constraints about Mm. the character she's going to make. Otherwise, she makes a character that is uh, hated by everyone because she is a role player. She is the best at role playing, but she's not a good gamer. Like she doesn't know how to play well with others. Mm. So Uh. you have to very carefully guide her into what character she plays. And that game very nearly ended a real friendship um, because the teeny boppers character wouldn't leave the vet alone. And the vet's player was really starting to take it personally to the point that I had to separate them and bring them each into another room separately to be like, hey, this has gotten out of hand. Let's let's and like I, I'm I'm very glad that I didn't take the wrong lessons about session zero away from that. Be like, never again. Right. Like, We're never doing that again. It didn't <laughs> work. <laughs> we just need to do it with the right group of players and understand when I need to have a bit more of a structure for certain players. But yeah, that that night that I had to separate the players, the actual players, not the characters, uh, was the last time we played that campaign. Justifiably, wow. yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Sounds like it was more of a player problem than a character problem, but that, it, that's it, yeah, outside it, looking in. It was ultimately a player problem, but it came from the players not understanding how to kind of work together to create a something interesting to play with and play off of um like and to be fair this is from at least 13 maybe 15 years ago so there's even if we were all adults at the time there's a lot of growing that's happened over the years (laughs) so moving into our main topic i'm pretty sure most of our listeners know what a session zero is but for those that are fresh to the hobby this is the session where the GM and the players get together and hammer out all the logistical details of a campaign before diving into actually playing. What it entails will vary from GM to GM, from campaign to campaign. Sometimes it's character creation information. Sometimes it's setting details. Sometimes it's safety tools. Sometimes it's the social contract. Sometimes it's all of those and more. Today, we're going to discuss what each of us looks for in our session zero with some tips and tricks that we think might be useful. JT, I'm actually going to start with you. What do you look for in your Session Zero? I've been playing with the same group of guys for a long time. Bill and Craig, 23 years. Um, Kevin, about 15 years. Uh, Kevin's son, Connor, for about eight years. No, seven years, something like that. Our quote-unquote new guys only have been in the group for about four years. Only. <laughs> so <laughs> only, only four years, right? No, we figured it out a few a few days ago. Seven years. 
seven years he's been in the group. So he's the the new guy, so <laughs> to speak, right? So given my circumstance, we actually, when we start a new campaign, we skip all the basics that are highly encouraged, like talking about safety tools, scheduling, social contract, because we've already established all that. That, that that's that, that's almost set in concrete at this point. At least mm-hmm. the social contract, the safety tools, uh, what's allowed, not allowed. Uh, Scheduling is pretty easy, Saturday afternoon through Saturday night. Um, so really, we're more focused on, on the campaign concepts. Um, and before we show up to initiate Session Zero, um, we've always got what genre, what system. That, that That's pre-Session Zero. And we'll do that maybe at the end of the last session, like when a campaign rolls to an end for whatever reason, or we'll do it via Discord throughout the week between sessions. But that way we know what books to bring. Um, and that's my mandate because as Cinda and Ange can see behind me, I have a <laughs> lot of books. Um, I'm not going to carry the, I don't know, three metric tons of books that I have with me to the game and then use two of them. I want to know what books to bring in my one bag. Uh, so we establish genre, which then leads to what system are we going to play? And that's perfectly fine to establish in session zero as well. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying we do it pre-session zero. Yeah, and I think I think you bring up a very good point that session zero is going, the details of a session zero will change depending upon what kind of group you're working with. If you're working with a group that you have been playing with for a very long time, there are some of those details you don't need to go over. But if it's a group of people that have never done a campaign together, that's when you're going to bring in those tool, those those things like scheduling and safety tools and oh, absolutely. certain social contract things. Yes, Enda? Yeah, so I just want to jump in because I also, I played with my group for a long time. Not 25 years long time, <laughs> right? <laughs> to be fair. But I have been playing with um, most of the folks in my current game group for about... Um, about seven years, I think. We've had some people shuffle around, so some a little bit longer, some a little bit um, mm-hmm. less long. But the thing that I that I want to call out safety-wise is we always, we don't talk about necessarily about the safety tools, like which tools are we going to use? We're pretty set in our ways. We know, right? Like we're like, okay, this is how we do it um, because we figured it out a long time ago. Um, but we have a different lines and veils conversation for every campaign that we play. And it's because like, you know, it is reasonable to tailor your lines and veils to the content that you expect to come up in a campaign. Mm-hmm. You might have a different conversation about a horror game than a fantasy game, because like, I just don't expect like needle body horror to come up in your average <laughs> fantasy game. Yeah. But, like Fair. if I have a spider yeah. thing, that's something that I probably need to bring up in the fantasy game. So like, and you know, lines and veils kind of stuff is always evolving. You can always, if, if you feel like, oh no, this fantasy game is veering into body horror, like you can then be like, <laughs> wait, wait, I have a thing. But, um, but it is one thing that we do kind of every time, even though we have some general ones that we know. Um, mm-hmm. So we do, that is the safety part that we do every time versus like, we no longer have the discussion every single time, like, well, should we use the X card or should we use something else, right? Like, we don't have that conversation anymore. Um, and we're pretty set in our ways, both for um, how we manage our tabletop games and we how we manage our LARPs. <laughs> um, <we're> like, <laughs> we've made these decisions in the past and now we just go with them. But, um, but yeah, I just wanted to call out, like when we talk about safety, because it totally is a thing that can become part of table culture, right? Like that we, you know, are like, cool, and we're good with the X card, awesome. And then you just like move on. But that lines and veils evolve a lot or can evolve a lot, depending on what we kind of expect the content of a game right. to be. 
um, just because you can and get more specific, right? Certain games are going to have more bleed than other games as far oh, as yeah. the type of yeah. buttons that are getting pushed or the emotional bandwidth you're going to be putting into the game. Yeah. So it is good, depending upon what game you're switching to, you know, to have those conversations. Yeah. And LARPs have a lot. The LARPs I know of <laughs> usually have a lot of bleed. really, really yeah. good safety tools. And yeah, because the bleed can be real, real, real. Um <laughs> There's a reason that LARP crushes are a thing. Right. <laughs> I have experienced that and it is wild. <laughs> I want to say I know of at least three couples who are married today that started as LARP crushes. Sure. I mean, that also so... makes perfect sense to me because it's like such an easy way to open the door on having an intimate relationship before yeah. having to be personally intimately vulnerable. You've gotten to practice it and see how they reacted. Like, that makes perfect sense to me. What are we doing at the table and LARPing if not just, like, rehearsing our social skills for situations in which we have to do it for realsies? Like, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> um, other things that I like to talk about in Session Zeroes, I, uh, we tend to talk about genre because sometimes we have games that are not super genre-specific or games that can be played with kind of multiple angles. So I'll have a quick conversation frequently about, like, is this how we're all envisioning it? Mm -hmm. One of the games that we tend to pick up a lot is um, When Rachel's Yes, which is the genre of it is Hallmark movie. Mm -hmm. Nice. <laughs> but, like, everybody can sometimes have a different, like, interpretation of what, like, Hallmark romance movie means. So, like, you, you kind of zero in on what that means to everybody so that you make sure that you're all on the same page before you jump in that kind of genre discussion, even if we've already picked the game and everything. One of the things I'm going to say here is that, you know, while while we GMs will set the parameters for what the what characters are allowed, you're still going to be adjusting your game to fit the characters your players make. It's just Always, you're yeah. kind of giving them a bumper bowling. There you go. Your characters need to fit into this lane. What you know, whatever you want to play, as long as it fits into this lane. I've done things in the past like. Uh, my most recent D&D uh, &D campaign, the Eberron game, was, okay, you guys are all people who are applying to compete to join an expedition that's going to Zendrit. Doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, but you have willingly come here to do this thing. Yeah, so make a character who would do that. <laughs> yeah, if you don't make a character that would do that, you're not going to be in the game. Goodbye. Great. Make a new character. That's like the next game I have planned on the docket for our group once our current campaign rolls to a close is medium future San Francisco. And you are playing uh, special operative police officers. So not necessarily SWAT team. Actually, definitely not SWAT team. You're, you're like the special investigation unit for the, the, the more serious crimes. And that's the conceit of the characters. I don't care your background. I don't care your skills, although there will be recommendations for skills like, hey, you might want to take investigation. Because <laughs> you're a special investigator. Right, yes. Hint, you're hint, a, hint, hint. <laughs> yes, you're a detective. Uh, but it's like special forces detectives set in the medium future, cyberpunkish, uh, very Blade Runner style uh, setting, but in San Francisco. So that, that, and that's the end of the guidance is you're one of these uh, trackers and on the police force. Go make your character. If you have questions about skills, let me know. We'll get you lined up with the more effective skills and go from there. I will say this is one of the, one of the reasons why you may want to do character creation 
in your session zero, especially if you're going to be playing a game that is, I don't necessarily want to use the term crunchy, but is it needs to have different niches filled. Is crunchy a bad word? It's not a bad thing, but I wouldn't necessarily call a Powered by the Apocalypse game crunchy. I wouldn't either. But I'm still going to want the different facets of skills and abilities covered. Yeah, agreed. Depending upon which game it is. Yeah, and we always make characters during session zero of a campaign. Oh, they're at the table. Yeah. Show up with a couple of concepts. That way, if and have a discussion before you make the character or roll the dice or however the character generation right. happens, right? I'd like my players to show up with like three concepts. Right. That way, if two of them, quote unquote, get taken, you have some fallbacks. Um, like I know, uh, I believe it's Knights Black Agents uh, very specifically wants you to have the characters made together so you can make sure that all of the investigative abilities are covered. Right. Like that somebody has archaeology and somebody has accounting and i mean you would be surprised at how often accounting comes up as an important skill in knights black agents but there you go hey tracking the money yeah like that's where the vampires are to me and i think it probably has something to do with the style of games that i play so i'm just going to call that out because again i think it depends a lot on um your games and, and just how you approach it but um to me i think the most important thing that I get from making characters together during session zero is building the relationships mm -hmm. and forming the reasons that we are together and that we're going to work together. Because, you know, I'm a little bored of you meet in a tavern, like, because I've done it. I've done it a lot of times, right? Like, and, yeah, yeah. and there's like the really awkward bit at the beginning where you are strangers, but you're trying to force there to be some reason to talk to each other so that you can get this campaign off the ground and go do something. Right. And I really enjoy bypassing that and like sinking my teeth directly into reasons why I should care about people and why I should care about what we're doing together. I think the last group of characters I made, we, this isn't a campaign that we played, but I made cyberpunk red characters on the character creation cast a little while ago. And we had a delightful time making a group of characters who began as very disparate and then turned into like I was the rocker girl and they were like my agent, the guy who lined up my gigs and then like the hacker like managed all my electronics and lights and basically the whole like electric system for my shows. Having that because initially they weren't related at all. But if we'd sat down at the table and just been like, oh, we have a rocker girl and a hacker and a, um, the fixer. And then we had the, um, the like the corporate agent. How would we make all of those people smash together? But like since we created the characters at the table as soon as one relationship formed even though this game doesn't even have like the powered by apocalypse like how do you know people like answer a question about them right like just because we made the characters together as soon as one relationship formed all the rest of the relationships started to coalesce around that relationship and then like questions about things like oh you have blackmail material who is that on right like that started to become part of that conversation and started making those relationships even more complex and interesting. And anyway, so uh, I guess all of that, <laughs> long story long, to say I think I love making relationships at the table, and I think that's one of my favorite parts of a typical session zero because I think we very frequently make characters as part of session zero. I know for my crew we usually do, and I love making relationships. I do think if I don't know that this is necessarily a session zero thing, but when you are setting up a campaign. If you are not going to have the players establish relationships between their characters during session zero, you need to have a plan of why these characters 
are going to be together doing things. Yeah. Because yes. to a certain <laughs> yes. degree, you can you can allow you can rely on your players being good players and leaning into it because they know that's where the game is, but they shouldn't have to rely on that. Yeah, I was yeah. running the Pathfinder <laughs> horror adventure path. It's been years. The, a flesh golem is falsely accused of a murder and you have to prove his innocence. There's no hooks into the players or sorry into the PCs as to why they care about this flesh golem or the guy that made the flesh golem, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Why don't they just walk away from that? <laughs> and we got eh, halfway-ish through book two out of six because the adventure paths were six books. And we got about halfway through book two and one of the players looks around the table and shrugs and goes, why are we doing this? He actually used some more colorful language, but you know that was the that was the uh, expressed uh, uh, intent. You know, and all the players stopped what they were doing, looked at each other, and next thing I know, I got six people looking at me, and they're like, "Why are we doing this?" And I was like, "I don't know." Because that's what the book says. <laughs> yeah, that could, exactly. Yes, that yeah, because yeah. the book says the book you need to. Says that uh, that's what you're gonna do. <laughs> Campaign dead, right then and there. Yep. Uh, validly dead, because there was no motivation for these six characters to risk their lives to prove this flesh golem's innocence and, and continue through all this this horrific landscape. It, maybe I ran it wrong. Maybe I read the book wrong. Maybe the NPCs they're supposed to like was in the appendix of book six, and I hadn't read that one yet. I don't know. I don't know where the failing was at, but it failed. I do think that that some published adventures do fail to offer enough reliable hooks for the players to lean into I've, I've seen that in some others i know what i did for my most recent D game with the you know you are here because you are willing to compete to try and get a spot on this expedition all of my pcs magically randomly ended up on the same team <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, it was yeah, like yeah, yeah. you yeah, guys all course. drew the the purple straw so hey introduce yourself to each other you're all on a team now yeah, you're stuck working together. <laughs> That's great. Right. Thankfully, my players are good players and they know that we're leaning into this. This is how we're getting to know these people. So we're building that relationship building and that bonding into the campaign. It's just you as a GM should probably have an idea of how that's going to work with JT's flesh golem. I don't know. Maybe his left toe was your cousin. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard. I mean... If we want to bring it back to session zero specifically, sure. and you want a session zero solution to that problem, which I'm not saying is the only way to fix it, and I'm not even saying is something that you necessarily should have done, but the way that you can approach it from a session zero perspective would be to say, I'm going to run this adventure. I need you to come with a character who cares about this flesh golem for some reason. You tell me why. Right. But also being a pre-published adventure, like we kind of expect them to provide a little bit more hook than that. Yes. Since we're talking about session zero, <laughs> this is one way to approach when you don't feel that there's a hook. You can ask your players as part of session zero to make their own. And that's perfectly fair. Right. Right. You know, another aspect of session zero is also finding out what your players want to play. Yeah, what do they want to do? <laughs> yeah. What, what are their goals for their characters? Yeah. Yeah. Relying on the same example here, but my Eberron campaign, I knew that I wanted to have them go explore an Eberron. I didn't realize that it was going to be leaning into the idea that the Valinar were the elves that fled Zendrick and there's this whole hero culture and ancestor worship until one of my players came to the table with a 
Valinar Paladin who was looking to prove himself. Wow. You know, like that adds a whole other level of, you know, understanding of what I as a GM need to bring to the table for my players. And I wouldn't have known that if we had just been like, okay, bring your character when you're done. Having them make the characters together, talk about who they were, talk about what balance we're going to be doing, what we're looking for in the campaign, gives me the information I need to do my prep for future sessions. To make it a lot easier for you, too. Because you don't have to wholesale just make it up out of nowhere. Oh, yes. You have an idea of what they're looking for, what they're interested in, because they already told you when they made their character. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. A lot easier to get investment that way, for sure. Right. One thing I love to have my players do is, like I said, I I have them show up with like three character concepts. I like them to show up with an immediate need, also known as a short-term goal. But I like to phrase it immediate need because they need this. And a long-term goal, maybe a medium to long-term goal for each of those concepts. That way, when they land on a concept, they can tell me, here's what my character needs right now. And I like it to be something non-physical, like I'm starving to death and I need a meal. Because that, that's an easy resolution, right? Yeah. Uh, the guy with the gold throws some rations at the guy that's starving and boom, done. There's no story there. Uh, I'm looking for more conceptual, immediate needs. Like my sister went missing last week. And I need to find her. Long-term goal was my dad went for a pack of cigarettes when I was five and he never came back. I'd like to figure out what happened to him. Boom, that's an immediate need and a long-term goal. Kind of generic, but I think it sets an example there. You know, I will say as a player, I find it incredibly frustrating when I give a GM gold like that and then it never gets used. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. That's why I try to use those. It's hard to mesh five different immediate needs into one immediate adventure but you do your best yeah you do your best you work with what your players give you and you try and keep in mind those things that they're asking for even if they're not actually outright asking for agreed for sure when i made my star wars pilot she was gonna fly a prototype ship even though one of the other players kept saying it'll be safer if we just transport it and i'm like that's not the point of this character point that's what i want to do yes yes i made a pilot I need to fly a ship. I want to pilot. That's the point. (laughs) That's why I made this. Yep, for sure. (laughs) Any other last thoughts on Session Zero? Uh, We've covered some broad things that we all like in them. I was run through a quick list of other things, depending on who I'm playing with, right? If I'm not playing with people that I'm really, we've already established this stuff for, then um, I think it's important sometimes to talk PVP, right? Like, are you going to allow it? Yes. Is that a thing you can do? Set that expectation up front. Don't let it surprise you. Is this a deadly game? Character death? What happens with character death? You know, is it D&D where you're like, okay, once you're at a certain level, it's fine to resurrect? Or like, do you need to have a conversation because character death is very permanent in this game and like everybody (laughs) needs to be aware, right? Like, that's a thing to talk about. And then this one is not actually one for me because I don't particularly care, but I wrote it down because I've spent a lot of time talking about Session Zeros on my other podcast. I'm just talking <laughs> games. Look, I just slipped that right in. Um, but so one of the things that I'm just going to throw out there because some people do care a lot is if you want to have a conversation about where you roll your dice. Mm-hmm. Do you roll them in the open? Or is it cool if you just roll them behind the screen? And does that apply to everybody? Or is the GM behind the screen and everybody else is open, etc.? right? Like, when that's important to you, make sure that you've had that conversation because then you don't have to deal with any misset expectations later right. on when somebody's like, well, blah, 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 blah. Or like, what yeah. do you do when the dice lands on the floor? <laughs> <laughs> you pick it up and you roll it on the table again. 
Yeah, but like, but see, but that's what your table has decided, right? Exactly, yes. But there's other people who are like, no, you pick it up, whatever number it is, wherever it landed, that's what you got, sure. right? Like, and it doesn't matter, but like, maybe talk about it beforehand so that you know. <laughs> this is why my players should know that I am an absolute softy, because if the die lands on the floor and it's a really good number, I let them keep it. If it's a really bad number, I let them re-roll it. I mean, honestly, me too, but like, don't tell anybody, jeez. I'm laughing because I do the same, yeah. I actually, I'll ask them, do you want to keep that roll? Right? I'll leave right. it up to yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you yeah, know? Do you want to keep it? Yeah. yeah. Up like, to you? You can, you can yeah. re-roll. Yeah. <laughs> Any other last notes on Session Zero, JT? Uh, yeah, this is more for the players. If you have a long-term goal, make sure your character cannot easily accomplish it after Session Zero. Make it a session three, four, five, six, twelve, twenty goal, not a session two goal. Um, I learned this myself when I was playing Ars Magica, and I wanted a I wanted my character to retire as a tavern owner and be able to magically create any kind of ale, beer, wine, liquor, whatever. So I made the character with the goal of being able to do that, and then I realized I just made somebody who can do that, like out of the gate. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, like well, why am I doing this? I could just go retire right now. Yeah, I can just go like work at a tavern as the beer guy or what the, the barkeep. Yeah, if you have a medium to long-term goal, make sure it truly is not accomplishable in the immediate frame. I think that covers it. I think we've said a lot about session zero. It, it The last thing I'll say is tailor it to what is important to you and your players. Make sure you cover those bases before you get the campaign rolling. So this show is funded by the Gnome Stew Patreon. You too can Patreon backer by following the Patreon link on the Gnome Stew website to the Gnome Stew Patreon. This ad is brought to you by the Topic Recycler. Reduce, reuse, and recycle. When you've been doing a podcast for several years, sometimes you'll want to redo a topic you've already done. With our Topic Recycler, the best bits will bubble back up to the top for you to do all over again. Yeah, that, that thing is great, let me just say. Yes. <laughs> I use that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> if you're enjoying the Gnome Cash, you'll probably like many of the other Misdirected Mark shows. Here's one to check out. On bonus experience, Monica and her friends explore gameplay and design through the lens of diversity while also sharing the dumbest humor gaming has to offer. And I think they're still gross onion sandwiches. Like, let's just be real. Ew. Ew. It's just terrible. So you should probably listen to it. So you can find all of us at GnomeStew.com and GnomeStew on Facebook. I'm not mentioning the other place because. I'm done with it. Um, you can, is Gnomes, is there anything else you'd like to give a shout out to today? I'm actually finally playtesting one of my games that's available on itch.io. You can find me Ooh. at Idella Mithland on itch.io. And it's an epistolary game called You Never Told Me. And uh, playtesting will go very slowly because it is, in fact, a letter writing game. But, you know, <laughs> but I've already learned some things. So, like, if you buy it now, then you'll get the update in like several months when i know how the game really works <laughs> that's <laughs> do you, cool will you, do you have a link we can put in the show yeah notes i totally do yeah okay jt what about you i'm going to talk about rob schwab's brand new kickstarter it launched today as we're recording this which is august 8th it is for shadow of the weird wizard if you've heard rob schwab's name it's because he did a lot of work for third edition i think he skipped fourth edition but he did a lot of work for fifth edition D D as well and he has taken his game, Shadow of the Demon Lord, which is a very cool, very awesome game, but also a very adult game. It's very horror, very adult themed. And he has removed, if not reduced, the adult themage out of Shadow of the Demon Lord and produced Shadow of the Weird Wizard, 
Um, looks like you got about 29 days as of we're recording. This goes live, what, next Wednesday? Yep, so you have like Wednesday. 27, 26 days. Go check it out. Link will be in the show notes. Uh, he is already at 500% funded, close to 600% funded. Yeah, I was going to say, he's probably already funded. By the time I even saw it, I was like, oh, it's funded. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It was minutes. Yeah, it's way funded. It's way back by me. So I didn't fund it on my own. Don't worry. I didn't put that much money in there. I was a little <laughs> concerned there for a minute. Yeah, yeah. No, oof. No, I, I, oh, my wife would be so mad if I did that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, I would highly uh, encourage you to go check out Shadow of the Weird Wizard if you like some, uh, well, weird fantasy role-playing. And as a last thing, I'm going to give a shout-out to Kanka.io for campaign management. It is something I ended up deciding to use when I was researching ways to have stuff online for my players to access during our game. I looked at World Anvil and ended up deciding to go with Kanka.io for a few different reasons. It's a great space for maps, journals, and a lot of stuff that you know your players can reference, which will be handy when we restart the campaign in a few months <laughs> since we've been on hiatus ever since. Oh, yeah, you got to remember. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so do you all think uh, this episode was good enough to keep us out of the stew? And our brand new stew pot that was just replaced. Yes. Now that Jared has replaced the stew pot, there's no more secret entrance at the bottom. So, yeah. It's gone? It's gone. Wow. Jared and Chris lost the stew pot when they threw a party a few weeks ago. Natural disaster. I'm behind. <laughs>